Yes, you probably all knew that I went to school on a baseball scholarship, but what you didn't know is that I used to play in the NBA. <laughs> I used to be 6'10", and I shrunk. <laughs> um, we're moving at breakneck speed here, and um, what I, what I want to do is assure you that, uh, you know, the, the book of Romans, of course, has a reputation uh, of being just uh, full of theological and doctrinal content, and indeed it is. Um, uh, we haven't really, we haven't really even come to that yet, and, but there is some in the, in the, the first chapter, and we will get there before Christmas, but uh, just hang on, uh, we're still, we're still opening up here. Uh, let me begin reading at verse 7 tonight, and I'm going to, I want to read through verse 15, uh, introducing another paragraph, and maybe we'll get into it tonight. To all who are in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all, that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers, making requests if, by some means, now at last I may find a way in the will of God to come to you. For I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift so that you may be established. That is, that I may be encouraged together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and me. Now, I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that I often planned to come to you, but was hindered until now, that I might have some fruit among you also, just as among the other Gentiles. I am a debtor both to Greeks and to barbarians, both the wise and the unwise. So as much as is in me, I am ready to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome also. We uh, resume our study. Really, uh, it, uh, actually, I really blew it already. Uh, I should have read... Uh, verses 5 and 6. Let me go back up there. Through him we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all the nations for his name. That's what we covered last week. And we want to start with verse 6. Among whom you also are the called of Jesus Christ. Paul mentions in verse 5 um, this, this characteristic of Christians, that is being uh, this obedience of faith, um, that, that he's been sent with this apostleship to preach that among all the nations. And in those nations, of course, uh, you reside, the ones to whom he's addressing this letter, among whom you also are the called of Jesus Christ. May I say, ladies and gentlemen, that uh, one of the more important words that you'll find in the New Testament, one that is pregnant with meaning, one that is uh, frequently mentioned and often discussed and greatly uh, debated is the word called. You will notice in verse 6, among whom you also are the called. Uh, it's interesting that that is a richly significant, uh, theologically full word, and uh, we, we're not quite ready for it here just yet, uh, but we will get there. But it's interesting how often it's, it's found, um, and if not it, if not the word, certainly the concept, but the, but the word is found. You know, when I was in seminary, um, they, um, they, uh, I had this counseling course I didn't make a good grade in that course. Um, <laughs> I was an A student in all the other courses, but th that one was not one of my better ones. Um, but anyway, uh, one of the things they would do is, one of the parts of this course is that um, you had to go into the local hospital and they assigned you a wing in a hospital. And you had to cover your wing and you know, you'd know you go in there and visit all these people and you didn't know them from Adam. 
Oh, I got some really some great stories from those days. But, um, you know, uh, uh, visiting hospitals is not my favorite thing to do. I, you know, I don't do body fluids, and, and, uh, and, and hospitals are just full of them, you know. And so, but, but either as it may, um, uh, I would go into these rooms with people with great physical distress. I mean, and, and we're really in trouble. And, uh, and I always faced a, a, um, a, you know, a dilemma. What do I tell them? I don't know that they're Christians. I don't know that they're not Christians. I don't know them. You know, I just uh, go do wing C up there in the north side. And, uh, so I walked in there. Hi, I'm, you know, I'm here. I'm a seminary student, and I'm supposed to do something here that'll be meaningful. <laughs> and uh, um, I will tell you this part, just, just real quickly. I, I, I got to tell you this. Well, do you know that I don't often wear it? I mean, I, jewelry makes me nervous, and, and so I wear my wedding brand because my wife doesn't care that I don't wear it, but it makes me really nervous. But one of the reasons that I, I, I started wearing one is a hospital visit that I had, and, and I walked in, and there was this red-headed girl. She was younger than I was um, then. I, I guess she still is now, but, um, uh, <laughs> uh, but, but she was on the phone, and um, she wasn't real sick. You know, but uh, she was in the hospital or something. I don't know what she's in there for, but uh, she was on the phone. <clears throat> I love to tell this. Um, <clears throat> this uh, I walked in the room and said, hello, and, and she says, Lily, I'm going to have to get off the phone. This fox just walked in. <laughs> That's when I went out and bought myself a wedding band. <laughs> but, I, but, but I certainly loved her opinion. Uh, but, and, but anyway, her, her taste in men was certainly good, but, but that's not my point. Um, uh, I shot out there, y'all. <laughs> Enough of that. <laughs> it's on the tape, is it? <laughs> but, but my point is, I would have to go to these people, and, and they were abject strangers, and I was supposed to say something to them that was going to be comforting. And the, the text that I constantly use is one that's widely known among the people of God and, 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 a, and a great source of uh, encouragement for us, and it's in Romans chapter 8. Now, you don't need to go there. You know this one. At, at least you've read it before. Romans 8, verse 28, it says, <clears throat> For all things work together for good to them that love God and are the called according to his purpose. The point is, ladies and gentlemen, that is not a promise that is extended to everybody. It's a promise that is extended to the called, whoever they might be, whoever on earth those fellows are. And we're going to get to that. We're, we'll, we'll figure that all out um, about 2007. Um, but, but that is a rich, my, my point is simply, it's a rich theological word. And you will notice it's just not, um, you'll notice that attached to it is always this definite article, the called, which changes the way that you're going to understand that word. But I, but I just wanted to draw that to your attention and say this much about it tonight. Um, calling, this called thing, whatever it is, and we'll, we'll get to it, I, I, I promise you, Paul won't, won't let us get around it. But this calling thing is something that is always attributed to God the Father. And, um, and, and I wanted you to see that um, in, in, a, in a couple of places, and then uh, we'll move on. But the, actually, I, I'm not even asking you to turn there. 
But um, uh, Acts chapter 2, verse 39 says, For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. This thing, whatever it is, known as calling, is always attributed to God the Father as the one doing it. And, and ladies and gentlemen, though, though that the term is not, well, it's found frequently. I, I, I looked in a concordance today, and uh, it's, but not only is, is the word used, the concept is found frequently. Uh, for instance, John chapter 6, verse 44, which says, And no man can come unto me unless the Father draws him. You know, the, the, the word calls not there, but the concept is. That is, that God is the one doing this drawing, doing this calling. Let me show you one. Uh, if you can find Ephesians chapter 2 real quick. Again, the word is not used, but the whole idea of what God the Father is up to is mentioned in Ephesians 2, if you can find that real fast. Um, let, me, let me just read... Uh, oh, um, let me, let me just begin in verse 4. I'm in Ephesians 2, 4. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. And raised us up and made us to sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, etc., etc. There again, you see this thing that God is up to. He is up to... Uh, bringing people out of this posture and condition of spiritual death. And uh, uh, the, the only point that I'm trying to make tonight, tonight is that this, this thing, whatever it is, um, is attributed to God the Father. We'll, we'll go further than that at another, at another occasion. But um, the text says, among whom you were also the called of Jesus Christ. Um, this calling attributed to God the Father but this calling is through Christ and unto Christ, ladies and gentlemen. It is through Christ in the sense that uh, uh, the, the accomplished work of Christ makes it possible. And it is to Christ. That is, this calling is, uh, is designed to wind us up in the lap of Jesus. Um, and that's who you are, ladies and gentlemen. In, 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 in essence, um, what you get in verse 6 is some kind of general description general definition of the of the company of believers they're the called the called of jesus christ then in verse seven he gives us uh, a little bit more specific definition as to who these people are that he's writing to he first of course identifies them as people in rome but they're not just he's not writing this to rome He's writing to certain people in Rome. It's not to everybody in Rome. It's just to these people in Rome who happen to be the called of Christ Jesus, just the Christians. And um, here's a city, ladies and gentlemen, that is known and is notorious, uh, has a reputation of being this uh, center of debauchery. And even there, even in the center of debauchery, there is some of God's people. You know, I um, um, my daughters attended a, a state school. That is, in terms of their college education, uh, it was one of the few that we could afford. 
um, um, very frankly, um, you at Ole Miss get what you pay for. Um, <laughs> sorry. Um, but, but anyway, um, you know, and people just rail about the college campus and how wicked it is. And, and um, ladies and gentlemen, it's all true. It's all true. I, my, my daughter doesn't tell me these stories. She knows how I can't take it. She tells them to my wife. And then my wife tells them to me. <laughs> and I don't blush as much. But you can't imagine. You can't imagine what's going on at this sleepy little lazy college down in Oxford. You can't imagine. You can't imagine. I mean, maybe you can't imagine. If you've got children, you can't, I hope. But gang, even there, even there, there are people who are lovers of this Christ that you and I love. You know, if you, just in the last portion of Romans 1, um, look at, look at, let me, let me show you this. Um, uh, God gave them over, I'm in verse 28, debased mind to do um, things which are not fitting, being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness, there are whispers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, and of God. Do you know what, ladies and gentlemen? That the people to whom Paul is writing there come out of that group. They come out of that crowd. <laughs> these guys, these guys to whom Paul is writing, they used to be some of them. Some of those guys who were given over to raunchy, debaucherous living. And even from them, God has drawn a people to himself. Um, you know, to think that there in Rome, you know, that uh, knew no boundaries in terms of its pursuit of evil. There's little house churches there. <laughs> you know, there's, those, there's a house in Priscilla's house. I mean, a church in Priscilla's house and a church over in Aquila's uh, house. You know, um, churches, even in the place where evil is so uh, firmly um, developed. But uh, what was it that brought these people out of their debauchery to all who are in Rome, beloved of God? You know, I brought them out of their debauchery, ladies and gentlemen. It was the love of God. These people are the beloved of God. And that is why they are who they are, because of the love of God. You know, guys, um, um, we don't become the beloved of God because of things that we do. One of the texts, I think, that you ought to commit to memory, it's a simple one, and I use it at every wedding service that I do, but I always say, you know, it's in 1 John 4, uh, I think it's verse 19, it says, we love because we've first been loved. Ladies and gentlemen, you sit here tonight as lovers of uh, the triune God, and, I, and I, I glory that I can perform my ministry among folks like you. But you're a lover of God because you were first loved. We all love, ladies and gentlemen, because we've first been loved. <laughs> uh, and if you love, that is, if you love this God, you love this God because you first were loved. You first been overtaken by this love, and you know, uh, I, I don't know of anything that is harder for me personally to uh, enjoy than that—that I'm—that I'm beloved, that I'm the beloved of God. 
Because you know what, ladies and gentlemen, um, so many of you in this room are good. You're good performers. And you got what you got because you did well. You, you performed well. You do, you do good things and, you know, and, and uh, you're personal to people and you're witty and, you know, charming in social circles. And people kind of gravitate to you because you're so good, you know. But that's not why I'm loved. I understand that kind of love. I understand the kind of love that, that you get when you're witty. I happen to understand the kind of love when you're very handsome. <laughs> but I don't understand love that's given to me when I never, never did anything to produce it. I find that very hard to wrap my mind around. And so we all come into the kingdom understanding that it's not by works of righteousness that got us here, but now that we're in, we want to get back to those works of righteousness things, and we'll just make ourselves really beloved to him. <laughs> you know, we'll, we'll perform so well that he'll love us a lot. And, um, and, and we make, we get ourselves in trouble and we start making bargains with God about, well, you know, he doesn't seem like he loved me right now, so I'll be better. I'll do good things now, and then you'll really love me more, you know? That's all just a product of perversion, I guess. No, ladies and gentlemen, we love because we've first been loved uh, for whatever God's purposes were. He saw fit to love. Um, and having loved them, he then goes on to call them. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God, that is, having determined that he was going to love sinners like myself, he then sets out to um, draw them to himself. Um, normally, gang, you can count on that calling to come as the result of the work of the Holy Spirit. Um, have any of you ever had the experience where you sat in churches for years and surely they preached the gospel for to you before? Surely the gospel is around there somewhere. But all of a sudden, your ears are now opened. Well, ladies and gentlemen, um, that's because God and his Holy Spirit has begun to take his, his truth and bury it in your heart someplace. Normally, at, um, I would have to say that God, the Holy Spirit, takes his word, this thing that he inspired, and somehow uh, grabs a hold of you by getting this book into your consciousness somehow. And many times that's through preaching. Many times it's not. Um, some, some of your testimony is not that you were sitting in church all, uh, one day and all of a sudden there was something said that struck you and you became a Christian. But it may not be through preaching, but it is through truth. Somewhere along the road, truth Found, wound it, found its way into the recesses of your soul. And it could have been after sitting in churches for years. I don't know. But um, this call normally is, well, not, it is always performed by the work of the Holy Spirit in uh, making the truth come alive in our souls. Ladies and gentlemen, we don't come um, uh, to a saving knowledge of Christ 
because our emotions uh, led us there. If it did, it probably won't last. It's because we're convinced that what we heard was the truth. And God the Holy Spirit is up to up to producing that. Uh, to all who are in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints. Um, another description of the Christians at Rome, and may I point out, ladies and gentlemen, all of them, all of them are saints. You know, in Roman Catholicism, you have a, a process by which you become canonized, and uh, if you really do nice things, you go through the canonization process, and you ultimately become a saint. And uh, if, uh, if all goes well, um, you know, uh, Mother Teresa is going to be uh, uh, made into a saint. But she's having a little problem because she happens to be a woman, and that you know, slows the process down. Now, ladies and gentlemen, please don't misunderstand me. I am not denigrating uh, Mother Teresa. She, was, um, she makes us all ashamed. Uh, that woman was a great gift uh, to the church. But I'm, I'm making light of the process of sainthood. Because, ladies and gentlemen, would you like to meet a saint? Here's one. St. James. And uh, there's St. Judy over there. Because, ladies and gentlemen, the, the Bible makes no distinction about a few who, are, who arrive at sainthood. That's nonsense. You're all saints. It, it's a word, of course, that has to do with uh, uh, holiness, a holy one. Um, we, are, we are separated to God. And, and having, having become a saint, ladies and gentlemen, I am now being asked to live like one. Um, and everyone who has this hope in, him, in himself, pure in him, excuse me, purifies himself just as he is pure. You're a saint, are you? Um, yeah, you are. If you're a child of God or not, you're a saint. The, the problem is, I'm not sure we're living as if we were saints. Let me, let me say one other word before I leave. Um, uh, well, actually, go to the second half of verse 7. This business of being beloved of God, ladies and gentlemen, that's the thing that we've never really... I'm, I'm not sure yet enjoyed uh, when my children were small, um, you know, we had talking times every night, and um, the, the, the greatest times, the greatest talking times we ever had was when they all three were in the same bed, I mean, that is, with me. And, um, of course, they didn't get, but they loved to batter on me, and um, they, have you ever seen my tongue? It has a crack right down the center of it, and, and they never got over wanting to see that hideous-looking tongue of mine. Um, so, I mean, it was, it was worth a night's entertainment just if Daddy would stick out his tongue again. I mean, uh, you know, they didn't care about reading Bible stories. You know? But there was one of the stories that, that I used to read to them. Um, they didn't listen, but it was called Small Pig. Did you ever read that book, Small Pig? You know, Small Pig was rather wayward. Not a very nice pig. Uh, the farmer was very good to Small Pig, but Small Pig wanted to go to the big city and see what uh, city life was like. And so Small Pig on the farm used to love to sit down and sink down in a nice soft mud. And um, he, he just would made a habit of it. And then his wife got, I mean, Farmer Brown's wife got uh, all nervous and wanted to decide to clean up the farm. And so she went out and um, cleaned up everything, even his, his mud hole. 
sucked it right up in her, uh, in her vacuum cleaner. Made Small Pig very mad. So Small Pig headed to the city. And Small Pig finally made it to the city and found what he'd been looking for. Some nice soft mud that he could sit down and sink down in the nice soft mud. Unfortunately, he had found concrete. It's just a children's story, y'all. Relax. Um, but Small Pig uh, sat down and sank down with the nice soft mud and had to be concrete. And of course, after a while, Small Pig couldn't get out. And the whole city gathered to try to get Small Pig out, but Small Pig couldn't get out because Small Pig was, had sat down and sunk down in the nice soft mud. And so finally, the fireman came and, you know, jackhammered Small Pig out, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. My, my, my point in that little diversion is to say to you, ladies and gentlemen, that one of the things that I think the people of God need most is to sit down and to sink down in the fact that we're beloved. And there's nothing that you can do that can change that. If you are redeemed tonight, ladies and gentlemen, you didn't get there because you worked hard for it. You got there because God decided, from whatever were his reasons, I know not, but he decided to set his love on you. You didn't get into this because you worked for it. And I want you to know something. You're not going to get out of it because you did something bad. Now, guys, I'm certainly not trying to encourage you to go do something bad. You know me better than that. But, gang, being the beloved of God, and, and, and I think particularly when we fail, when you blow it, there is this, there is a, I, I, I'm fixing to call it a tendency for Satan. I don't know Satan's tendencies, but he seems to, at those times, in the midst of our failure, whisper into our ears, you're not real. You're not real. And because we had such a failure, and we begin to think, maybe mm -hmm, mm -hmm, Ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you something. Grace is the stuff that provided a means by which you might be made right with God. That grace accomplished your salvation completely outside of you. The, the work of Christ is something that is outside of you. And what was accomplished by him was was the, the theological word is imputed to you. It was reckoned to you. It was given to you. It was granted to you. You didn't get it because you earned it, and you don't lose it because you fail. You know, guys, um, talk to my wife. Um, <clears throat> I, uh, I'm as insecure as the next guy. Um, if if uh, you want to see me act really ugly, it's when I feel insecure. You know what? You do the same thing. When you feel like you're really wanted and loved, etc., um, you respond better. You act like heroes and heroines when you feel safe. You women, I tell men all the time, I tell them, I'm not sure they're listening to me, but I tell them, I promise. You got a nag for a wife, do you? No, not here. 
Um, I'll tell you how you can, uh, you can change everything. Just love your wife. And the more she feels safe, and, I, and I've seen it happen in our midst, ladies and gentlemen. I've seen women who have, who have been, you know, mistreated by men. And they're one thing, and they get into a marriage where a husband loves them, and they just turn into altogether different people because they feel safe in a husband's love. Ladies and gentlemen, how is it that you ought to be prompted to higher heights of holy living? By me getting up here and saying, All right, you prom moms! You need to get out there and start living bare lives! And you know, I could do that. It wouldn't produce much. But, you know, it seems to me that the way that Paul encourages people to higher heights and plateaus of holy living is by communicating to them, you're beloved. You're beloved. You are safe in the Father's love. Now, if that's true in our marriages, if it's true in the church of Jesus Christ where people feel safe, you know what, ladies and gentlemen, uh, this is real, I, I shouldn't, but I'm telling you this, this is probably something I shouldn't say. Um, but I want you to know that I feel loved. I feel loved by you as a congregation, but I particularly feel loved by the elders. And you know what? I can take anything from them. I can take anything from them. I can take their criticisms. I can take their suggestions. I can take their rebuke because I feel loved by them. And, and I say to you, once you sense that you are indeed the beloved, once you sit down and sink down into the fact that the, the description of us who are saved men and women is that we are the beloved, I think it'll raise your whole standard of righteous living. Now, ladies and gentlemen, there, there is also room in the Christian church to tell you if you fail, you need to be told that you failed and you need to be told to correct it. If you have an affair, ladies and gentlemen, I want you to know you'll hear that you've had an affair. And, and um, But uh, I, I'm not saying that there's no place for that. There is a place for that. But the highest motive, it seems to me, that Paul uses to motivate the people of God to higher standards of Christian living is by assuring them And that is how he describes these people. All you Christians at Rome, saints, beloved. You're beloved. Enjoy it, ladies and gentlemen. You might want to leave now if you are um, singing in the choir, have a meeting, and then I'll close this in prayer. It scares me to see a Hank Wright going to the choir. I hope it's something else he's going to. <laughs> By the way, guys, I thought you were wonderful Sunday morning, too. I just thought you were absolutely wonderful. Uh, um, not your singing. Um, just the visage that you, that you portrayed. Okay, let me, uh, let me wrap us up with prayer. Heavenly Father, Give us 
confidence that we're loved, that we're the beloved, that we don't have to strive and wrestle and squirm and perform and convince. Give us, O oh God, by your Spirit, the, uh, the ability to enjoy. Enjoy the fact that you loved us before we were obedient, and you love us when we uh, fail as a, as a son and a daughter of God, too. Why you love us, O oh God? The answer to that is found in your great big heart. But it is the constant theme of this book that uh, the reason that you called us is because you first loved us. And the reason that we love you is because you first loved us. It is love, O oh God, that has subdued us. love that has bent our will into conformity with yours, and we rejoice in that love tonight. Lord, um, in response to knowing that our Father will never leave us nor forsake us, might our response to that be a greater pursuit of holy living. We ask it, of course, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, and good night.